Hi, I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Jamie Adams. And in a world where polyhedrons collide, one man is hardy enough to weather the slings and arrows of outrageous dice and has made his way to the Brainwaves Embassy. That man is Rory Summers, flying the flag for Polyhedron Collider. Rory, welcome to the show. Hello, pleasure to be here. Rory's joining us today from the Polyhedron Collider crew, another fellow podcast and news site. What is it you're up to these days, Rory? Uh, Mainly playing games and wrestling toddlers in and out of bathtubs. Noble endeavours. I've heard that sport's got really popular in England recently. <laughs> yes, it's it's hot tip for the Olympics next time it comes around. Excellent. And we're, we're going to be seeing you in the flesh at Expo, aren't we? You are, yeah. You're both going to see me in the flesh, uh, probably very, very close in. Uh, it's been a long time. You need a hug. Yeah, it has. I do. I do need a hug. I need a holiday and a hug. That's yeah, a holiday and a hug, yes. Oh, of course, so you're going to go to Birmingham for your holiday. The only yeah. person to ever <laughs> the do The only that. place to go. This is Brainwaves, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for week of 27th of May 2019. US trade war reaches the tabletop. Simon feels the pinch. Elder Scrolls feels fusrodum. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Yes, so we're kicking off today's brainwaves with a bit of political news because board games are always going to be a little bit political. The US trade war is heating up as Trump has recently announced a new bunch of tariffs hitting Chinese imports and this is going to be affecting board games unfortunately. The latest round of tariffs has included that games, dice and cards and toys are all going to be hit with a potential 25% tariff rise. This is really, really going to hit home for a lot of publishers. It's going to be a real headache for anyone who's currently on Kickstarter and in the process of delivering or producing their game. A few people think that this may lead to more production in the US and maybe in Europe as well, but it's going to lead to a price hike either way. And it's just a reminder that although we see a lot of talk about not putting politics into games, that you're going to see politics in games anyway, and this kind of thing really, really affects us. What do you guys think about this? I got an email about a week ago from the Bargain Quest 2nd Edition fulfillment team, oh, right, and yeah. Jonathan Ying. I believe they're fulfilling it through Renegade Game Studios this time. Mm-hmm. And they said, we want you to be aware of the tariffs. It's probably going to come out of our pocket, not yours, because oh, good. it's kind of on the way or, or, or on the way or getting there. Yeah. But it's, we want you to be aware. We know it's really serious. Yeah. So at least it was a company going, don't worry, we're not going to keep you out of the loop and in the dark regarding these these potential price hikes. So from what I've read about this, this is, being, this is a proposition that's being put forward now. There's going to be a, a vote or a talk on it on, I believe, I want to say the 17th of June? Something like that, yeah. Something June like, it actually gets it decided. happens during Origins that they're Ooh. having this talk, if I remember yeah. my dates correctly. And then they can put it in place as quickly as the end of that month. So yeah. if you've got a Kickstarter that's coming in, it's due in any, you know, if it's due in in June, you are going to be really quite worried about what's going to happen because if it comes in mm. early June, you're fine, you're happy. But if it's if it's one of those that gets held up, caught at ports, if there's a storm, anything like that, that ticks you over into July, you're going to see a 20% increase on what you've paid for, at least. 
Yeah, Origins is uh, 12th to 16th of June, so yeah, you're right. It's going to be right round about that time that this has been finalised. And I'm quite worried about my bargain quest fulfilment because it said it was going to be January and then it got pushed back. And now it's, then it said May, and now it's looking like it may be June time. So we'll see. Yeah, it's going to hit a lot of people. Uh, we'll bring you more on that as that develops, and uh, we'll certainly bring you something in June if that actually gets finalised. Makers of great big miniature heavy games, Cool Mini or Not, has uh, published a shareholder's letter with the company's full year financial report this time. It seems that I have taken on the mantle of Brainwave's financial correspondent, and I'll do the best I can. <laughs> well, uh, did you not get the memo? I, I didn't get any memos, Ian. I don't have a smartphone. I'm sorry. I, I'm not allowed near anything to do with finances, just, just generally. Th- this is why I, I just look at it through a computer screen and go, great. Uh, according to Cool Mini or Not's CEO, Sharon Ann Ng, 2018 was a year of consolidation. Sales ha- and profits uh, are apparently down, although the company is still very profitable. Uh, just to break that down, sales were down about 5% to $28.2 million last year, with a $5.4 million decline in sales through Kickstarter, though not completely offset by a $3.9 million increase in sales through wholesalers. Also, as well as that, profits have declined 41% to $2.1 million in 2018 from $3.5 million in 2017. Decline in sales, as I previously said, was part of the problem. But around $950,000 in professional service costs related to uh, a move of stock exchange, and they've moved to the main board of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Also, a $236,000 increase in game development costs. So, you know, they're not, they're not slinging no money about them. You know, they're putting a serious dollar on the table. The plans for 2019 uh, include uh, streamlining processes and use of manpower, which... Unf- We're going to fire people. Don't want to be cynical, <laughs> but you might be able to read between the lines and corporate speak for slimming it down, firing some people. Yeah. But Cool Mini or Not has been in the ascent for quite a while. Um, I don't want to use the words, the bubble is beginning to burst, because we've been saying that for months now. But I, th- I think I think we are seeing people come away from the big miniatures Kickstarters. I don't know what you think, Roy. I think you were tweeting about this the other day, but this sort of Kickstarter bubble. Overall, I'm not a huge supporter of companies that are very financially stable, that have got a good business model that's in place, that they do not require the financial support that comes with Kickstarter. They mm. don't need that. I'm a much more of a purist view, uh, have a more puritan view of kickstarter and that it really should be a place for uh, aspiring developers designers to be able to bring something to fruition but they need that bit of help kickstarter has turned into a mass marketing machine and i appreciate that kind of models and systems in the platform does change and it will change i just don't like it and the short and simple of it is i'm not going to back these campaigns i'm not going to back a big company that i believe doesn't need to be on kickstarter to get their game. I'm going to wait for it to hit retail. If I really want the game, that's what I'll do. Yeah. The, the smaller independent companies, I will back them on Kickstarter. I would, I'd rather do it. I'd rather they have my money up front. I'd rather be putting yeah. my support fiscally forward for them. Either way, the company is going to get my money, but it's just how I choose to do it. And I know it's going to make no difference to anyone whatsoever except me. But that's that's, no, that's my two cents. Yeah, it's I mean, principles. You've got a principle about it. Yeah, it's principles. Yeah, I think it's too much of playing a paladin in D anD. d It's creeping into my world. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's a proud things. Proud thing. I've still yet to. <laughs> I've still yet to pick up the the sainted sword and shield. 
Ian, although you said, you know, we might be seeing people turn away, recently there was a campaign from Call Me or Not of the Bloodborne board game on Kickstarter. 20, I missed 000, that one. What was that? What game? Uh, Bloodborne, the Bloodborne. board game. Blood, blood, no, never heard of it. No. no. Apparently it's, you know, apparently it's successful. It's quite popular, popular with the kids. Apparently. <laughs> really. Uh, 23,986 backers pledged $4,013,731. I think, I think okay. it's, they're still in the ascendant. Despite, mm. despite yeah, there was maybe. a good deal of, gr- um, I don't want to say grumbling, but a, a degree of noise on some board game chats, some board game Facebook groups, but it appears to have done minimal impact. The silver $4 million on a Kickstarter, it's still here to stay. Yes, so I'm going to be telling you about the Elder Scrolls RPG fiasco. And it is a fiasco because um, when you're when you're attaching uh, words like plagiarism to a big company like Bethesda, who do the Elder Scrolls Online, uh, all the Skyrim, the, or the Morrowind, uh, as well as the Fallout series of games, it is a bit of a bit of a scandal. So what happened was they released an RPG kind of promotional adventure for players to get involved with as part of the Elder Scrolls Online next adventure module was going to be supplemented with this promotional RPG. Uh, And the RPG was called Elsewhere, where players would be tasked to guard a caravan as they made their way across the desert in the aim of delivering a statue to a Chandra Stoll, who was a priest in the town of Rimen. Now, when this came on, online uh, i think it was facebook that it was kind of first appeared and flagged to them some avid dnd fans uh, who take part in things like the adventurers league thought hmm that sounds a little bit familiar so they went and got their adventure books they had a look and they found uh, another adventure called the black road in which the would-be adventurers were tasked with guarding a statue as it made its way across a desert to be delivered to a priest called chandra stoll um in the town of Plask, I think it is. So it was it was so incredibly similar. It was just a rewording of this original adventure. Yeah, rewording. Bethesda didn't know anything about this. They've since pulled the whole adventure, so you can't really see it anymore unless you have a cheeky link, which might be in the show notes, Ian. Uh, yeah, well... But- yeah. So it really was. If you read these, it is a... I don't want to say sloppy, but it was a rewording of this original adventure... Uh, that was part of the D&D Adventurers League. So uh, Bethesda have since pulled it all, and their response so far is that there is no comment until both authors have had a chance to fully discuss it and understand the ramifications. Uh, yeah, bit of, bit of a muck-up by Bethesda there, not checking things. And Yeah, it's it's good that it's got called out, at least, and that they did pull it. They didn't just sort of hold up their hands and throw their muscle around as a big company. Very true. I mean, they would be going up, you know, toe-to-toe with Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is another big company, but in terms of actual money, I think Bethesda are true, but I think you know, Wizards of the Coast. Wizards of the Coast have that kind of really hardcore RPG following, don't they? I think I wouldn't, I yeah. personally wouldn't want to play an adventure if I knew that that adventure was a rip-off of something else. I, mean, yeah. I don't mind it paying homage to something, another yeah. thing, um, but to be a direct rip of another product, I wouldn't really want to support that company or support yeah. that adventure. No, not not yeah, not when you're copying whole paragraphs uh, and just changing the names of characters and places. That's the thing. One of them, they didn't even change the name of the priest. Yeah, they just no. changed the gender. Yeah, 
It's the same name. It's not the first time we've covered plagiarism on this cast. There was a Kickstarter we covered last year that it was. Oh, I remember this one, yeah. Basically, a complete rip from another one. So, yep, it's bound to happen. I guess it's bound to happen as the hobby grows as well, as people sort of True. see more I, and more. About I, I, yes, it's bound to happen to as the hobby grows. But even so, when you've got that company of Bethesda as an official supplement behind you, yeah. you assume there would be some vetting going, okay, let's have a look at this. Okay, that's fine. Can we just double check? How would they? I mean, how would you check? How would you vet something? No, no, like I, no that? I, I, I understand that, but because if you think about yeah. all, the, if you think about all the RPGs that get written, you're talking Adventurers League, the DMs Guild, all the kind of official yeah. stuff, and that's just Dungeons and Dragons. It's the big one, and you're going to get to a point where if you are writing an RPG adventure, chances are you play some RPGs, mm-hmm. which means they are going to influence your writing. It's the same with any kind of kind of artistic endeavour. They are going to seep through. And, you know, if we were going to be kind of looking at this in the most innocent viewpoint, it could be that this chap whose name was Karin Herber, he could have just played that adventure years ago. Gone. I like a bit of that. Really, really, but he he played it. He really, really enjoyed it, and it stayed with him. So that when he came to sit down and write his own, he wrote one that was just a bit too similar to that one. That that one great experience that he really he had, unknowing how much he was unintentionally ripping. If I was going to be kind of quite, you know, naive about it. All. Staying in the world of fantasy RPGs, D&D Live event called The Descent is going on right now. The last day of it is today. They have been streaming with a bunch of sort of famous streaming names over the weekend, and they have revealed a few interesting things within those streams, much like they did last year. This includes a new Dungeons & Dragons Essentials kit, which is going to include an adventure called Dragon of Ice Spire Peak, written by Chris Perkins. And the really interesting thing about this is that it's going to include a one-on-one rules variant. So you can pick this up and just play it with a chum. You don't need to get a huge number of people around your house. Really like don't need to arrange lots of bits Mm. and pieces. But yeah, as as an entry-level thing into D&D, this sounds fantastic. It's going to be $24.99, primarily in Target stores only on the June the 24th, but then it's going worldwide in September, September the 3rd. They've also announced a new campaign called Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. So that's for levels 1 to 13. And they've also announced that they are going to be releasing a box set tie-in with Rick and Morty. So D&D versus Rick and Morty, which is a set of comics. Uh, A popular cartoon show, Rory, I think you'll find. Apparently it's a modern thing. I'm with you, Rory. I've I've never heard of it before. When they do a Paw Patrol tie-in, let me know. Okay, that's about the only cartoon I'm aware of at the moment. You're you're not going to want that. (laughs) D&D versus Chase and Rubble. I was more thinking Rick and Morty versus Paw Patrol would be a horrible, horrible thing to see. Ian, why'd I put that in my head now, man? That's... No, no. Thanks for that, Ian. I'm just going to have to try and... Calm my head down with something, you know, much more simple, much nicer. Oh, and look, here we are. It's award season again, and we have the nominations for the Dice Tower Awards for the year 2018. Honestly, if you've listened to some more of our award season talk over the past couple of casts, there's not a lot of surprises, I have to say. Um, you're, seeing, you're seeing Root, you're seeing Everdell, Chronicles of Crime. Uh, Fireball Islands coming, you know, is nominated. Teotihuacan, Brass Birmingham, lots of things. However, there is one category that the Dice Tower Awards do, which might interest Ian. Actually, in fact, I know it interests Ian. Is best small publisher, best game from a small publisher. Sorry. 
good, you know, good to see that being recognised. I believe the caveat is, and please, someone feel free to correct me because I'm probably wrong, is a game with something like only two or three or less than three or two published games, which is why last year the winner was Gloomhaven. Unbelievable, but it, it's it's certainly not small publisher by weight of box. No, then. no, or by impact on the hobby. Yeah, actual, actual jet, literal impact, like crater impact. <laughs> drop it from drop it from a height, you might put a hole in your floor. Uh, yes, but of course, I'm just including this because we talk about the awards every now and again because we want to see what you know, we have our own opinions. Of course, we do. We're board gamers. Everyone has their own opinions in board gaming, but it is nice to see what the kind of the general which way the winds are blowing yeah and it can also help like a small publisher award is good because it can help a small company get some recognition which is always good and it's something we try to do at the giant brain is is really sort of hold up small publishers that are doing cool things and hopefully the dice tower are doing the same and the winners will be announced at dice tower con later this year talking about small game studios we've unfortunately heard that one has had to fold recently rule and make which makes the uh, hand of fate games which have all had computer game releases at, um, which is a computer game which became a uh, tabletop game has had to fold uh, they are no longer they put out a statement on kickstarter saying that they were no longer financially viable and will be shutting down any remaining issues with kickstarters are going to be handled by defiant development um, and it is quite a surprising announcement because their last campaign did 490,000 Australian dollars of a 30,000 Australian dollar target. So exactly what the story is behind their collapse, I'm not entirely sure. They, ha- they have delivered all the Kickstarters. No one's been left in the lurch without games and that kind of thing. It's uh, They've just reached a point where they don't think they can continue on and have sort of amicably closed. We wish them all the best for the future and hopefully we'll see some of those people around Absolutely. again. My only experience of, of that was I have played uh, a fair bit of the original hand of fate video game which i quite enjoyed i found the combat a little bit annoying i have the second one and i've still yet to play it this is sad to see that the company fold uh, yeah. pun yeah. not intended with a card game So, myself, Jamie and Rory are all going to be heading to Expo in the not-too-distant future, UK Games Expo, as is at the start of next month. So, it is 31st of May to the June the 2nd, 2019, in Birmingham, NEC. It's going to be in at least three halls of the NEC in the Hilton Hotel nearby. All over the place, there is going to be gaming far and wide. There is going to be food eaten, beer drunk, and many games played and m- much rubbish talked and we thought we would do a little breakdown of the things that we are looking forward to over the course of the con so starting at number five number five so i think uh, i'm going to start with a publisher this time it's going to be big potato these are sort of a surprise hit for me last year i hadn't played many of their games and jamie and i had a good fun with uh, weird things humans search yes. for and clickbait, clickbait was it the mm. game about uh, making up um uh sort of things attention grabbing headlines and attention grabbing headlines that was it and they've got a new game coming out with which it includes their first patent uh 20 second showdown that has a little t- weird timer thing in oh, it really? which apparently actually patent patented two big potato oh, games right. so i'm really interested to see that and try it out and see what else they've been up to because big potato are the sort of company that really reach outside the normal board gaming community which i'm really They're excited really about do. like yeah, so I'm really excited to see there. What about you guys? 
Can I just add that they've also got their uh, Blockbuster game. They've got a tie-in to the yeah. Blockbuster video really? game. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It, Ooh. it actually looks quite good as well. Yeah, it looks really interesting. I don't have a top five per se. I have five things I'm really looking forward to, so I'll just pick one at random. Let's go food trucks. Number five. Oh, thank you. Last year, uh, I think every year, because last year was the first time I ever went down, is they get some food trucks outside, maybe five or six of them, offering a range of food. Um, and last year, they were fantastic. You know, there were huge lines. Generally, it was not bad price, and the food was excellent. So I'm interested to go back and see what they've got this time, because it kept my belly full over many, many hours of gaming. The first year they turned up at Expo, uh, all Kath got for me was what I'd eaten that day, not games I'd played. Like, I just ate this fantastic thing. <laughs> because the previous years, it was just like, you could only really get food in the Hilton, and it was really expensive, and it took a long time. And then they sort of solved that problem with the food truck, so it's great. What about you, Rory? So I'm going to go, I'm, I'm looking at games, uh, is what I'm really excited about. And I've, I've put mine in alphabetical order. So, number five. Number five. Is Oathsworn. Uh, and that is Oathsworn Into the Deep Wood. Uh, this is a new game from a new publisher, uh, Shadowborn Games, and the designer is Jamie Jolly, who did Farsight from Braincrack Games. If you remember that one? All right. The giant mechs. Yep. So this game... Yeah, I've got a copy somewhere. Oh, yeah. It's, this game is really exciting for me. So it is a dungeon-crawling uh, RPG campaign-style game. They're actually saying that they've decided... Legacy isn't a good enough word for what it is. They've got a twisting tales story. Um, so over the cross over the course of the game, it's almost played over two spaces. You've got one which is a miniatures-based uh, dungeon crawling affair, but the other part of it is a interactive story, um, as you would expect, much like the kind of fancy fighting fantasy. What was it called? Fighting fantasy? Fighting fantasy. Fighting fantasy, yeah, the fighting fantasy novels. However, it's all cool. being uh, audio, you know, audio read, all being recorded by a games, Ooh. a guy called James Cosmo, who Game, oh, fa- game of Thrones fans might recognise yeah. as, was it Joan, Jay or Mormon? I don't know, I don't watch it. Um, John Jay, John no, it's Jay, no, he's yeah. not Jorah Mormont, he's J.R. Mormon. The Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. And also the Scottish actor people generally go to if they're looking for a really grizzled old Scottish guy. Ian, what's your number four? My number four is uh, all, the, all the small games companies. I really like being surprised by small games companies putting out really interesting games. We had Janice, Wren, uh, Janice Turner from Wren Games on the cast recently. Uh, and I really want to check out Assembly and Sensor Ghosts from her. And yeah, just really check out the smaller guys. Uh, a lot of them are up in Hall 2. Uh, so I do urge you to go and give them your support. And like we were talking about earlier on the cast, like the big companies like Fancy Flight, Games Workshop, yeah, they produce cool stuff, uh, They have, but they have no problem attending these kind of cons. For the small companies, it's much more of an investment, and they really, really appreciate you coming and, and checking out their games and having a chat with them. So yeah, do get, get, step outside your comfort zone a little bit, go and check out some small games, and you, hopefully you'll, you'll be surprised by something cool. I can say on that, I've actually been lucky enough to be sent a, a prototype copy of Sensor Ghosts, and I've been playing. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I really like. It's a really neat little puzzle, uh, and what I partic- what I really like about it is that fact that it narratively follows on from Assembly. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah. it's it's the sequel to uh, Assembly, but it keeps it has the same feel, but mechanically it's completely different. Um, really nice. Cool. 
Number four. My number four, speaking of a slightly bigger company, is Namiji, or Namiji, by Antoine Bowser from Funforge. Now, if the names Antoine Bowser and Funforge sound familiar, it's because they brought, well, Funforge brought out Antoine Bowser's Takaido quite a long time ago. Beautiful. Oh, which, I played rec- beautiful. which I played recently and is really Only cool. recently, ah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful game of walking down the Takaido, which is the ancient sea road from Kyoto to Edo in Japan. And it's having a wee holiday, having the most spiritually fulfilling time, eating lovely food, going to baths, meeting lovely people. It's a lovely game. I love it. Sadly, I, had, I got rid of it recently because I wasn't playing it as much as I, I, I liked, but it's one that I love. And plus, I actually sold it to Sam. So, wherever you are, Sam. So, if I need a game, he'll be there. But hmm. Namiji is the sequel of sorts to Takaido. But instead of walking along a sea road, you're sailing along a sea road. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of sailing things, so this looks right up my uh, rivulet, if you pardon. You heard it here first. Jamie likes boats. I do. I love my boats. Um, there's going to be, allegedly it's going to be available for demo at UK Games cool. Expo, so I'm very, very excited. I'm going to have a little look. Rory, what's your number four? My number four is Megacity Oceana from Hub Games. So this is designed by Jordan Draper and Michael Fox, and it is a speed dexterity city building game. Yeah, your your cool. eyes just kind of said it all to mm-hmm. me, really. I'm I'm, bo- I'm booked in for this one as well, and as, yeah, it does. Am look I as well? Cool. Yes. yes. Yeah. This is this was my number. <laughs> this is my number six. Oh really? Yeah. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. Don't you don't you dare apologize. Don't you dare, no. don't you dare apologize. Yeah, it does look cool. So the game consists of 150 uh, plastic, odd-shaped plastic pieces uh, that come in different colours, and they each represent a different type of material, uh, building material. So you've got the clear, which is glass, you've got grey, which is concrete, and black, which is steel. Um, over the course of the game, you'll collect cards, which are contracts, uh, where you will then try and build that, uh, try and meet that contract. Yeah, you'll try and meet that contract. Uh, and you'll try and do it with as much flair as possible, so you can earn as much prestige. What I really like about this game is it's really focusing on the zero downtime. So during your turn, you'll collect the contract and the resources. And then in your off turn, that's when you'll actually be assembling the piece itself, which then you'll try and slide into the central building to make the mega city. That sounds amazing. I cannot wait to try it. Number three. Well, my number three is going to be Escape the Dark Sector from Themeborn. Uh, we came across Escape the Dark Castle a few years ago. I'm one, one of the early advocates for that game. I really, really like Escape the Dark Castle. I backed the Collector's Edition on Kickstarter last year, and I it's currently sitting on my shelves. It is fantastic. And it's going to be a game in the same vein with a few twists on the gameplay. But yeah, just really looking forward to seeing the sci-fi take on Escape the Dark Castle and just catching up with Thomas and Themeborn crew and seeing what they're up to. Jamie, what's your number three? Is one I know Rory's also very interested in. It is Bosk from Floodgate Games, designed by Daryl Andrews and Erica Boyoris. I hope I got that right. It is long-term cast uh, listeners will know that I'm quite a fan of photosynthesis. The best game about angry trees. Well, you might have a contender here because it's a game all about growing trees and having leaves fall and having... Uh, hikers walk through your wonderful paths of this wonderful How national park. 
It looks gorgeous. The art is by Quan Chai Moria, who, I hope I got that right, who also did the artwork for Dinosaur Island, which is another game I think is oh, so really? beautiful. I yes. did not know that. Yes. Uh, and Dulosaur Island, of course. Uh, but yeah, that's another thing that I'm really, really excited to look at. I think I might, I might stretch myself. I might be able to grab myself a copy. Um, I am interested purely for the art uh, and also having read the game. Seems interesting. What's at Rory's? Number three. My number three is a revisit to a game that I've played before. So if you are on, uh, if you're a board gamer on board gaming Twitter, then you'll no doubt know of a guy called James Naylor. And you'll also be aware of his game, Magnet the First, Magnate the First City Magnet. Look at that, balls up the name of the game I... intro. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. We all know what you're talking about. Good, good, as long as we know what to talk about. So, Magnate the First City. So, uh, I played this with Ian at Dragon Meet back in December. Really, really liked it. I can't remember who won, but I really enjoyed the game. Probably me. No, 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 no. So <laughs> modest, Ian, so modest. I, I was being modest, it was me. I, nah. I beat Ian by a country mile. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so modest, um, but, Rory, so modest. So, uh, this is a city-building game, uh, which replicates the kind of economic uh, crash that we experienced back in 2008-2009. So as more properties are bought up and as more properties are developed, you are edging ever ever and ever closer to a crash, which you'll just see the bottom fall out and all all the land that you own becomes worthless. So it's a game of manipulating that market as well as kind of semi-manipulating your opponents to buy stuff and sell stuff so that you can pull out at the perfect moment, causing the crash and making sure everybody else is left with dickens, really, to be polite. Number two. Well, I am very excited to finally get to sit down and get some demos from the one and only Gaming Rules, otherwise known as Mr. Paul Grogan. He is a he is really entrenched with CGE. He does a lot of their demoing. And I'm going to be getting a demo of Letter Jam and Sanctum. Now, Sanctum is one I am very excited about. This is a sort of a game inspired by Diablo and the, that sort of action RPG. And it's from the same designer as Adrenaline Philip Nudick, I think that's his name. And yeah, really looking forward to getting a shot of that and hoping that that is a cool game that I can actually buy in the future. It's only going to be available for demo. I think they're selling Letter Jam at the show, but they're definitely demoing it. And yeah, looking forward to that. And I'm also going to be heading to Paul's seminar as well on how to demo games because it's always a good idea to get some tips, tips from the masters. Yeah. Number two. My number two is a little bit different. It's not a board game. It's not a tabletop game. It's not even a LARP. It's pretty much, apparently, all three in one. This year, there is going to be several mega games that will be played at UK Games Expo. Yes, a mega game is allegedly a mixture between a role-playing game, a tabletop game, a board game, and LARP-like elements. One of the games that's going to be played this year is Watch the Skies Second Sight. Watch the Skies came to prominence when Shut Up and Sit Down, the venerable cheeky scamps of the board game world, posted uh, a video of them playing a, a, a version of Watch the Skies several years ago. And it is a game where players will be various senior positions in various countries around the world when aliens appear. How do you deal with that? What are the aliens' plans? It's up to the players playing the various heads of different countries, playing the presidents, playing the financial, uh, not financial advisors, the generals and military leaders. Yep, the military leaders, the scientific advisor and the ambassadors 
to basically work out what's going to happen. Will they fulfill their secret objectives? What the aliens' objectives are? Is there an opportunity for me to play the old grumpy Jewish dad of a scientist? Do you know what? If I end up, because I haven't got my role yet, so if I do, if I do, I'll, I'll, I'll have you just, I'll, I'll get you on speakerphone every now and again. <laughs> I'll have you just ranting and raving. Oh, but there are, get up, you'll and, catch uh, <laughs> they're, they're, we're hopefully going to get we're hopefully get, going to get Jamie to write up his experience of the mega game and put that up on the site sometime. Yes, after. I'll Blake, do the best I can. Mega game. So, what is the definition of a mega game? Just um, for me, because I don't I'm, know. It's okay. I'm trying to find uh, an, uh, just loads of people, really, basically like big sort of organized LARP, but with mu- I think much more specific rules than a LARP. It's a little, a little bit less freeform. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, it's, so it's so this not... game, this game is playing about 67 people, I think it said, or maybe it's like more 60 uh, between 20 and 60 people, or maybe over you know, a couple hundred depending on what the size is it's usually played live in a single venue so for example uh where i'm playing it's going to be from 10 o'clock till about 5 30 or 5 o'clock right this is a long long day um it's more face to face rather than pen and paper there is a group of referees going around and basically they know the rules but are also able to break the rules if you go i want to do this and they go fine yeah do this yeah. Okay, so it's a lot more freeform, so it's more like an RPG. Yeah. yeah. Like a real sandbox RPG with hundreds of players, potentially hundreds of players. Yeah. So we've got, yeah. so as far as I can remember, we've got countries, we've got corporations, um, we've got a couple of small independent factions who haven't been released yet, and also the aliens are also going to be played by players, so we don't know who they're going to be. And there's also press. So apparently a, a newspaper is brought out uh, every now and again, which shows like the events as they f- unfold number one i'm sorry dice tower if you're listening you're you're good you're good guys i don't mean to be ripping you off so much well my number one is what i basically go to the con for every year which is essentially all the food and all the friends there's a load of people that i don't really get to see including this fine gentleman here mr rory summers uh, and there a few other people that just don't really get to see outside of cons uh, and especially outside of expo so it's going to be really good to meet up with them and just have a laugh play some games have a beer or two and as jamie was saying earlier in the cast visit the fantastic food trucks and stuff myself stupid my number one is a bit of a cop-out, but it is seeing a lot of gaming. Because I've, although I do love board gaming, I haven't been really playing a great deal of it recently. Uh, having moved back, just timing have changed. The group I played with previously has, well, they're now living an hour away and it's kind of hard to get them to come here. And I'm just be really happy just to be happier to be back in you know surrounded by a lot of board gamers trying lots of new things and i just can't wait for it i had a great time last year it's my first year and rory what's your number one my number one is in a board game i think it's really sweet that you guys are looking forward to seeing people and eating food and stuff um i don't really like people very much but i really like games so, that's fair um... <laughs> yeah it was a struggle to get you to come on this cast <laughs> it really was i just no. Talk to people. Uh, uh, My number one is the expansion, the first expansion for Dice Hospital from Alley Cat Games. Um, It's called Community Care, and it's actually going to be three modular expansions all in one box. They will be demoing all three over separate different tables, and each one of them looks absolutely brilliant. Um, You've got The City, which is all about, um, it's almost like a pre-mini game in each round, uh, and how you collect your patients. 
Um, you'll have more agency over which patients you're going to collect, but you'll also have new ways to interfere with how your opponent hospitals are gathering their patients. You'll have the maternity, and the maternity sounds fantastic. It also sounds like expert mode, and given that I'm absolutely terrible at this game, probably one I'll never play because I'm going to be scared of it. You've got a mother dice. A mother dice comes into the mix. She's going to be pregnant. Whether she's going to have one child or twins, it's going to be down to the role of another dice. So uh, the mother dice comes in as bright pink. At some point soon on, she will give birth to little tiny 10 to 8 millimeter dice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Um, but it's going to create re- it's going to create havoc in your hospital because your mother can't really go into a ward with any of the patients because your mother will never ever deteriorate. She will force other dice even if you've cured them she'll force those to deteriorate instead of her also goddamn childbirth (laughs) also she can't be uh, dispatched that's not the right word discharged (laughs) that's a very different kind of hospital you're thinking of that's a very different game (laughs) Uh, she can't be what's the word I've just said it discharged she can't be discharged from the hospital until her children and her are all at seven pips. So you've got to really manage getting all three, potentially three of those at seven, all at the same time, so they can be discharged to open up a whole ward. Absolute nightmare. And then the final one, uh, it's called Improvement Slash Training. Last I spoke to Cesar, the name of this was still in uh, progress. This is apparently is going to add the most complexity to the game with a whole separate board making... Um, adding a more worker placement aspect to the game where you are going to be able to get staff in and train and improve them up. Each one sounds brilliant. Each one sounds very different to one another and I think they're going to make some real big mix-ups to a game that is already fantastic. Well, yeah, so we are going to be at Expo. If you see us hanging around, if you see the Polyhedron Collider crew or the Giant Brain crew about, do come up and say hello. Tell us what you're liking at the con. Point out the cool games to us because we can't see everything. It's just not possible. So if you come across something that we think, yeah, you can try. You can try. Uh, if you if you think you see something that we'd like and would like to highlight on the cast or on any of our sites, then yeah, please do drop us a line, get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook, or just come up to this con and say hi and say that game over there is really cool. You should probably try it. Also, if I look angry, I generally won't be. I just have a very resting, slightly angry face. But I'm really not angry. I'm apparently very nice, according to the people who know me. So... <laughs> well, Ricky, we, we, just t- we just tell him that because he's so angry all the time. Oh, come on, let's go. Before we finish up today, we'd just like to update you on Colossal's Kickstarter woes. Uh, they were nice enough to reply to PR piece on Brainwaves 27, which said they were in conversation with Kickstarter to resolve their issues with Papillon and various other Kickstarters related to the company game pulled. Papillon is now going to be coming back to Kickstarter. Kickstarter are apparently satisfied that the other games that, the, that Colossal have in the pipeline are going to be delivered on time. And yep, it seems everything has come to a conclusion, which is great for Colossal and great for the backers of those games. Can I ask a question on that, Ian? Because when yeah. Papillon was suspended and cancelled, yeah. they also had another couple of games on. What's happening with they those got... other games? Are they coming back to Kickstarter? At... They didn't say in this particular update, so I think maybe what will happen... I think... I'm, I'm going to guess here for a second, with a bit of speculation. I'm going to think that Papillon might come back. They will conclude that Kickstarter then they might bring back the others because I think we think 
Yep. No one's ever, no one's ever said anything, but um, we haven't been able to get anything out of the companies involved. So alleged here. But we think that alleged. Uh, no, well, what we think is that what really was the problem was that they were trying to run concurrent campaigns through different accounts. I think that's what's causing I think the problem. That was the so they will probably not. Most people. Yeah, they're probably not trying to do that again. So maybe Papillon will come back, then the other two will come back as well. Be interesting to see what happens with Papillon. Easy for me to Indeed. say. <laughs> well, um, if that was if that was the one, I think it is it got its fun. It met one? its target and then it got cancelled. It smashed its yeah, target. Right. I think it was cancelled the day before it was due to close. Are you something day like that? After. After. The day after, yeah. 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 So yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see what happens with that. We'd like to take this time just to have a quick shout out to all our Patreon uh, subscribers. Thank you so very much for um, deciding to give to give us some of your money. Um, it does humble us to think that you actually enjoy listening to us prattle on. Um, we're very grateful. And a big thank you to our executive producers, the Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe. I hope you're listening, guys. No Monopoly this week. We'll do better next time. Uh, Rory, where can people find you and Polyhedron Collider on the Internet of Things? So you can find Polyhedron Collider on polyhedroncollider.com, funnily enough. Uh, that's the website where you'll find uh, reviews from Steve, Andy, and myself. There's also the news and the Kickstarter highlights, uh, predominantly done by me there, uh, as well as some other articles that we add in when uh, whenever Andy gets his ass in gear. Uh, on Facebook, we are Polyhedron Collider. And on Twitter, I'm at at Rory J. Summers or Polyhydron C. And on Instagram, if you want to look at some of the pictures, particularly of the games that I've been talking about tonight, I'm at Rory J. Summers. Indeed he is, and he takes very nice photos. You should check those out. We'll put links to all of that in the show notes. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out, and Polyhedron Collider if you listen to them, is just to share those podcasts around. Drop us a review and rating on iTunes, your podcast platform of choice. You can also follow The Giant Brain on Twitter, at The Giant Brain, Instagram, Giant Brain UK, Facebook, Giant Brain. Our website is giantbrain.co.uk, and you can email us about anything in the show at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. Thank you very much for coming along, Rory, and uh, we will see you again. Thank you very much for having me. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Uh, Goodbye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.